Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Self-Published Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Pearson, and I'm joined today by my husband. Hi, I'm Nolan. Okay, so if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, uh, in this show, we give motivational quotes and publishing and marketing tips, and we give tons of ideas and crafts and tons of ideas and <laughs> and uh, information on the craft of writing itself based off of the movies that we watch. And they're sometimes horrible movies and sometimes they're good movies, but we believe that you can learn something from everything, even bad, bad movies. Like, what not to do is important. It is. It's, it is. It's very true. Uh, let's see. So we've got our little movie schedule set up. And one thing we've decided is that we're going to be flexible. Uh, we've tried to stick really closely to our schedule in the past, but we have a date night coming up and it's going to interrupt the, what we'd planned. And so we decided that from now on, we're going to just do, we'll give you the schedule. And then if we have something interrupted, we'll give you advance notice as much as possible. Um, so we're doing the Divergent Trilogy this week, and then next week is going to be The Meg, because on Friday we're going to go and watch it, and I am so excited, and no one's... I am also excited. <laughs> He's like, well, okay, fine, we'll go watch a big scary monster movie if you want to. <laughs> Just kidding. He's totally okay with them. <laughs> and after that, we decided we're going to do the Jack Ryan... Um, yeah, Jack Ryan, right? I was going to say Jack Reacher. Nope, that's the wrong guy. The Jack Ryan TV series, it's Netflix or is it Prime? it's prime it's prime yeah it's a prime special so we're gonna watch as much of that as we can and then give that to you guys then we'll do strictly ballroom so undercover and the martian and somewhere in there we're supposed to do a marketing episode um we'll we'll get it nailed out you know figured out and everything uh let's see um any let's see book updates um trying to remember what what we did let's see i've been working on forbidden knowledge which is book five in my coven chronicles but uh, I've discovered that my five-year-old, our five-year-old, uh, ended up finding or filching some of my outline, and so I have to re-brainstorm that part because I can't. Once I write the outline down, I generally don't need to worry about it again until I'm actually writing. I'll remember the gist, but not the nitty-gritty details. And I put a lot of work in my outlines, so I'm a little disappointed about that. <laughs> and trying to think. Oh, I have a bookbub promotion tomorrow, so actually that'll be. It's t today's Tuesday, which is the day we usually record. So tomorrow is yesterday for those of you who listen. Tomorrow when... is yesterday. <laughs> That's a movie title. <laughs> <laughs> it's a James Bondish title or an post-apocalyptic uh, day after tomorrow. The Time Traveler's Wife. Yesterday's tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the sequel. Anyway, so we'll update on that next week. I didn't. We didn't push a whole lot for this one. I'm not doing any other promotions around it. I don't think. And I'm kind of annoyed because Kindle hasn't price matched for India, UK, Germany, Mexico. I think those are the ones. I'm I'm annoyed about that. So I emailed them again today and they're like, yeah, we'll have it price matched within, within two to three days. And I'm like, really? My promotion is tomorrow. Yeah, I'm annoyed. Any updates from you? No. You've been doing a whole ton of artwork lately. Um, I wouldn't say a ton, but... Almost every day you've been working on it. Yeah, but... I haven't finished many. <laughs> it's not always about what you finish, though that we do make that point a lot, but it's not always. <laughs> I literally just made that point like last week. I can't. <laughs> I've started us some things. I've started a whole bunch Yay. of projects. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, when it's more done, uh, we can talk about it. Yeah. But it's just starting, so. We've done this thing where we've got this little tradition that we just started last week where he draws on his computer while I play StarCraft on mine and we watch Grimm <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the TV in our office. 
<laughs> it it makes me happy. Okay, StarCraft and Grim. Hello, and they spending time together. with you. Yeah, yeah. We've Starcraft we've watched Grim before, so it's not like I'm missing much. But let's see. I'm trying to think what else there is. All right, let's get in with into the quote if you want to give it. Okay. The most difficult thing is the decision to act. The rest is merely tenacity. Amelia Earhart. Amelia Earhart. Yep. <laughs> and this is prescient or applicable to... The movie today? The movie today. Without telling why it's... I mean, just why did you pick that quote? Because Amelia Earhart said it, and it's a crash and burn thing. Um, <laughs> the quote itself... Um, yeah, I mean, you know... How should I say this? We've gone to plenty of conventions mm -hmm. where people want to be writers but haven't started yeah There's... actually the main convention we go to almost every, well we used to go to almost every year that was that was the case with everybody people starting but not people i mean not even people starting most most nobody there had even started um so there's like two kinds of uh, two kinds of people who never become authors people who never start and people who never finish yeah i agree with that um people get stuck in the perpetual i'm going to someday or they get in the perpetual starting things over yeah or the world building or they plot things out for eternity and then never actually do anything so i guess the recipe is start and then finish yeah i've actually put a lot of thought into that quote that's how i knew exactly who said it um because the most difficult thing is the decision to act i was like i don't know if i agree with that i don't know if i agree with that but then i'm like no because some people like sometimes me when i have a big project just actually deciding to actually do it you know that's like the hardest part sometimes and then tenacity you know actually sticking to it so i agree with her on that it took me a little while to see what she was saying but then you die somewhere in the pacific no, I mean, they have pictures of her getting kidnapped by Japanese. That's I mean, in the Pacific. <laughs> good point. Oh, that's so sad. Not not a good time for... It's a cautionary tale to all of us to never try. <laughs> is it? <laughs> that's horrible. That's horrible. That is not motivating. Undo that right now. Take it back. Okay, take it back, but not in my heart. Take it down again. Or is that break it break down it again? Break it down again. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so... Make your decision. Actually, you know, a part of that is coming up with a solid business plan and actually, you know, figuring out where you want to be and how you're going to get there. And don't set your goals based on how many downloads you're going to get. Set your goals based on how much you're going to write and how often you're going to release. Things you control. Yeah. Marketing plans, things like that. So write something crappy and get that out of the way. <laughs> Not on purpose. Do your best. But if it sucks, realize why and then fix it. Yeah. Time. And then write the next book. Yeah, progress, progress, progress. Or even just start the next draft if it's not bad, if it's not too bad and the premise isn't too bad. Yeah, no kidding. So let's see, the, the tip, we're still talking about editors. And last time we talked about finding editors through other authors in your genre. So asking them who edits their books, researching those editors, searching online. And this time I'm going to, again, uh, reemphasize hiring a professional. But I know that sometimes that's not in people's budgets. You... If you're going to self-publish, you need to make it a priority, though, covers and editing. But um, I've actually had authors who are new authors who would contact the English department of the local college and ask for students who would want a resume builder. And the thing with this is if you're going to go this route, you're going to want to work with more than one or two. And, and when you approach them, frame it as a resume builder. You'll have more success finding help. But again, they're going to be more experienced than just an average reader. But remember that 
that you're going to find a couple different types of personalities. Uh, there's going to be the people who are majoring in English because they're a little snooty, so they're going to be a little critical, and they'll criticize things that aren't necessarily a big deal because they're trying to feel important, you know? Nolan's nodding. And you'll find people who are not experienced enough and don't know that, you know, you'll just find all sorts of uh, varieties. But if you use more than one, then you'll be able to still, and using your gut instinct, you'll recognize when something is a good piece of advice or when somebody's just, you know, they're just like, I just need to give something, give feedback, and I'm not sure what kind of feedback to give. But they'll be better than just an average person, like a relative or a friend. And, and recognize again, though, that hiring a professional editor is the best route. And Kboard.com, they have yellow pages that has a list of editors. I will say right now that I found, oh, geez, I've worked with several editors through Kboards.com. You're going to find, I mean, it's going to be the same thing as everywhere else, personalities that don't mix with yours or when they do mix with yours, they're not very good. Like I had Samara, I used an, an editor from Kboards for, from, for Samara, and she missed a lot of things like the difference between less and, and few and amount and number, which, you know, I wrote this a long time. I wrote Samara several years ago, like eight years ago or nine, seven years ago. I wasn't as good at that stuff myself, but an editor who's charging should be able to be catch those things. And then another author, another editor I got through Kboard. Do you remember What's Her Face? Who? Yes, What's Her Face. Yeah, I know. The one that I paid like $3 yes. a page and halfway through the project fired her because she yeah. didn't even know what a canyon was. Yeah. I'm like, how can... She's like, canyons are things that water runs down into and you can't... You are on the outside of them looking down. You don't walk up a canyon and canyons don't have trees growing in them. And I was like, what the crap? <laughs> I, I live by a canyon where water runs down the middle of it and you can walk up it and there are trees in it. Yeah. <laughs> she was like... It's by my house. Like, I just went running in one. <laughs> yeah. She was like, canyons are... You know, can you? you it's like You're the, thinking Grand, of the Canyon. Grand Canyon. Yes, where you don't like, and I'm like, even the Grand Canyon has trees in it. But she's like, you can't walk up the sides of them. You can't. Things don't grow in them. And I'm like, I sent her pictures of canyons. I'm like, these are the canyons that are surround us here. Anyway, and she took all of my my um, active dialogue and active prose and turned it into passive. And so it was, I mean, she destroyed it. So I, I went back to my regular editor and I was like, she she fixed it for, you know, she gave me a discount, even though it was still her time because I'd spent so much money on that other editor. Anyway, so my, it's a cautionary tell. Uh, I turned down a really good editor to work with this chick because her sample on the first chap, the first page was really good. But you know what? When she actually dug into the edit, she didn't even use that. She didn't even, she started the edit over from scratch. I was like, why would you do that? You spent a whole, you did a whole chapter. Anyway, so kboards.com does have really good editors on there. Have them do a sample edit and then... I don't, I don't know. How would they, how would they find out if the editor is going to be bad like that? You know, cause I had both of those editors do sample edits. You just have to eat it. <laughs> yeah. I but, mean, we gave her $600 before I fired her and she only did half of the book. Yep. I mean, it's hard to find one. And once you find them, I mean, why do you think people jealously guard them? Yeah. No they're kidding. hard to get and they're expensive and good ones. Good ones that don't destroy you entirely are that don't destroy your book or don't take all your money. Yeah, or don't destroy your, your confidence because, you know. Yeah. 
they're hard to come. It's hard. It's hard. I it don't is. know what to tell you. Yeah. It's hard and it can cost a lot of money and you can be disappointed. But the good thing about this is there are so many editors who do this for a living now. It's not like back when I first started out where finding an editor was almost impossible because big editors who've been editing for New York now take on side projects of, you know, self-published authors as side projects. And that's like a fantastic idea because they've cut the experience and, you know, so... There's a lot more options now for finding an editor that's good. There's more options for finding bad editors, too. But even somebody, a bad editor for me, might be a really good editor for somebody else. Yeah, because they go by genre as well. And personalities, you know. Yeah. Let's get into the movies. We're actually not going to... We'll talk a little bit about the individual movies themselves, but we're going to focus on the three main movies. The trilogy. Yeah, the trilogy that it is... Start, you know, divergent and everything. The divergent trilogy. The divergent trilogy. Which diverges from good to bad. <laughs> yeah, which is actually surprising. So, a little backstory on this whole thing. Mm-hmm. This whole thing, this the, what? The book, you know, the, uh, the series itself. So, book one, super, uh, it was good. It was really good. The book itself was really good, and uh, the movie was enjoyable. Yes. Uh, was it book two, and then they picked the movie rights up for it? Um, no, actually, uh, let me correct what I told you about that. The movie, the the series was all the way done before they started the third movie. So they did pick up the rights for the first movie, uh, for the first book, but before the first movie or the third movie was done, the third book, sorry, was published. So, but by the time they started working on the third movie, they already knew that the third book had been was doing poorly. Screwed. So, um, so they try to salvage what was left because that third book was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't actually finish the the movies. At least not in a way that feels like a finish. I mean, for all we know, it does finish and they just, it they doesn't. tied it off with Trish staying alive. But they didn't because they were going to make another movie. They were going to split it into two. They were going to, they were going to split it into two and make a TV show. Right. Because they didn't. They yeah. knew they were in trouble and couldn't get another movie yeah. made. And then that didn't even get made. That's how yeah. bad the scenario is. Well, see, what I'm wondering is if they tied off the movie and then because they knew they would never get funding for a TV show. And so they tried to make the movie because it ended. I mean, the, well, con- the main conflict end. ended. Evelyn, you know, got taken care of. And yeah. I just it was just unsatisfying regardless. It, it felt like it was going to be like it was there. Like a cliffhanger. In there. Yeah, because they because like, you know, what's his face? Anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm. The point is. Movie one was, or book one was very successful. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to make movies of them. Yeah, which makes sense. This was when Hunger Games, Maze Runner, Fifth Wave, you know, all of that was happening. Exactly. So this was very successful. Um, you know, sold the movie rights, started mm-hmm. making a movie. Mm-hmm. First movie was successful. Mm-hmm. Second movie was garbage. Second movie was okay. It was garbage. It was, <laughs> it was okay. Are you talking about Birdemic garbage or Sharknado garbage? Because it was... Uh, several steps above those it was not um (laughs) graphics uh i liked the setting yeah acting Um, they weren't using hangers to attack birds they basically were were. (laughs) they they basically were um they they completely mishandled characterization um like semi-significant characters die you don't care i mean it was as clumsy as birdemic it was birdemic with a budget um, so the book itself, I gave up on the trilogy halfway through the second book. We need to, so the setup for those who've never heard of Di- or never seen Divergent is dystopian Chicago. Um, what's going on? This is total spoiler. They, 
the outside world did genetic mutation and it destroyed the human race. And so they started a couple of cities where they put genetic, more genetically pure people with the hopes that they'd be able to eventually evolve back into real humans that weren't genetically mutated. And so that's the whole premise. So it's, di- it's dystopian. Within Chicago itself, they're separated into factions based on personality types. Right. So when people gen- started genetically engineering themselves, they upped traits that they thought were like desirable. Like kindness or the ability to fight. And-, and But they went too far. So all they knew how to do was fight or all they knew how to do was be nice. And so they couldn't really interact with each other. So they made the faction system to separate them, but also be a coherent society. Exactly. So yeah. each, each faction would fulfill a role that had to happen in society. Mm-hmm. Um, but they couldn't intermingle because then they'd be unbalanced and, you know, like uh, the uh, Dauntless, who are the fighters, would, you know, could take over everything. Yeah. You know? I mean, because they would be unrestrained in yeah. their combat. So they have to give them different focuses and different, um, rest- well, restraints to keep everything yeah. in balance. And so there's these different factions and they're all balanced, you know, and as long as everything stays in balance, then, you know, like they're incomplete, but together as a whole, they are functional. Yeah. And if you don't fit into one of these factions, they don't know what to do with you. So you're factionless, which means you're basically a homeless bum. Well, you become divergent if you don't fit into one of them. Not all the factionless were divergent. No, that's what I'm saying. Factionless where people got kicked out of factions. Right. They couldn't hack it because you can still, even though you might be disposed to be in one, you can choose any. Yeah. You could choose the wrong one and not hack it. Yep, and, and then end up out. being a factionalist. Okay, so we don't need to give more setup. Let's talk about how this applies to writing. So let's talk a little bit about the development of the two main characters only, because there's too many okay. characters. So Triss and Four. Um, my feeling is there was no development on either part, other than gaining information and gaining knowledge. Like Triss felt, I guess, I don't know, the beginning of Divergent. There's there's growth from di- the beginning of Divergent to the end of Divergent, but she remains relatively the same through the rest of the series. So there's no, in the movies at least, would you agree with that? Yes. Um, she finds out she's Divergent. She's like, doesn't know where to fit in. You know, she's really worried about that. So she goes from Amity, which is like a selfless one. No, not Amity. She goes from Abnegation. Abnegation, sorry. Abnegation, where they don't. They're, I confuse them with Amity. Uh, yeah, Amity. Am- Amity's like happy, and they're the farmers. Abnegation's like selfless. I guess they're the medics, right? They're the rulers too. They take care of the factionless, and like yeah. they take care of everyone. And they have rules against like vanity. Like they can only look in a mirror for once many. a day for yeah. like five seconds. Exactly, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so she chooses, she chooses Dauntless, which is the fighty ones. Mm-hmm. And then she finds out she's divergent and she doesn't really understand what that means. And so it's her discovering what that means and yeah. how she fits into society. So there is some... Which means she doesn't in this case. Yeah, there is some character growth. Four has zero to character growth, again, except for gaining knowledge, you know, which to me, gaining knowledge is a cop out because in any book you're going to learn something. So, I mean, sometimes gaining knowledge is enough to carry the plot if there's so much else going on and the reader's learning things. But I think... One of the things that I've discovered with books and series and the things that people go back to read again and again is when a character has an emotional arc as well, where they change, they become a, you know, a new, Um, better person. They try to with Triss in the second one where she has to unlock the box or she has to pass every test, a test for every faction and she can't do, maybe it is Amity, she can't forgive. Yeah. And she struggles with it. She She does finally do it. She fights. She tries to kill Janine every time she's in front of Janine instead of forgiving her. So, yeah. But she doesn't really forgive. It's not like a payoff. It doesn't feel like she really goes through. It became something. Yeah, by finally doing it. Yep. No, I Um, agree with that. But they tried. I can see where they tried to do that because it would be hard to forgive her. One thing about this whole entire movie series is it's one acid trip to the next. 
Yeah, because they do a lot of hallucinating drugs. And, yeah, <laughs> they do a lot of drugs. Yes, um, and then illusions. And... Yeah, and then even when they leave Chicago, it's like NASA trip, like the outside world. You know, it's a little incoherent. Yeah, I do like the way it looks. Oh, it was amazing. It was some freaking awesome sceneries yeah it's very uh yeah mad max we had Mars, like, nolan no this is how nolan was divergent one and, and insurgent he was like arting the whole time you know he wasn't really paying attention then when allegiance happens when they allegiant when they actually leave chicago he actually came and sat next to the tv to see because it was visually appealing it was interesting it was different you know um and yeah. it, it actually kept our interest the third movie did yeah it's so i mean the second movie did not keep our interest. It was not, not coherent. No. Um, most of it was like illusion based. But how can writers learn from this? I mean, what about it? It was a departure. I mean, it was such a departure from the tone and but the flow of the first one. The third one. one was even more of a departure. But it still fit with the second book by that point. I mean, it continued from where the other one mm-hmm. mistakenly went and yeah. then carried on. Yeah. Um, they just didn't give things the proper emotional weight and the pacing mm-hmm. i keep talking about pacing like when to do something mm-hmm. you know i didn't f- like like i said when they have the janine forgiveness scene i didn't feel like she really it didn't yeah it didn't resonate yeah. and that was really Triss's big part of that book that's the part where she changes that should be pretty important yeah agreed she completes herself right because she finds out she's divergent but this is where she fulfills that by passing a test of every faction yeah nobody can else can do that she's yeah and, and she finds out she's 100 percent divergent and honestly learning about divergent who the divergent are it felt kind of pointless by the end of the third so book. here's my problem being divergent means you're normal yeah it literally means there's a whole city full of other people like you and you're not special yep because being divergent means that you're not genetically mutated you're not genetically you're you're weighted normally and and there they she finds out that there's literally a city full of people like that Mm -hmm. so where was that city again somewhere else they don't really say they they go there yeah we'll talk about that in a bit the geographic location is kind of irrelevant but and they just visit for a little while and say like oh you managed to you know become normal from the city of people that are very genetically broken mm-hmm. good for you you are normal yeah mm-hmm. it's like yay. yeah because they put she the author made it such a big a big deal that di- you know tris was divergent you know and four was partially divergent and i mean just there's such a huge emphasis placed on that you feel like there's gonna be something special about her but there isn't you know yeah literally being special i mean she's in a, a dystopian so being normal is unusual but if she were the only one ever it would have been more impactful than congratulations you're one of like a million other people in the city and no one cares (laughs) yeah so let's talk about the romance arc um my point with this is the first book okay so reading the actual books not the movies well the movies too the actual book the first book they get together they have sex everything like their relationship they have nowhere to go after that point and so in the second book the author starts having having them fight and they start trying to break up they start having problems and i feel like i feel like the author took them artificially from you know a to z and then she had a backpedal because she's like hey where do i go now they can't get married you know that happens frequently in movies and books where they yeah. they get together and then in the second book they have to have another romance arc yeah. with the same people so which we've complained about that several times break the relationship and then rebuild it yeah and nobody likes that nobody nobody likes that that destroys the first movie and so and that's the reason i stopped reading the series was because she and four were fighting all the time i was like this is I, i'm tired of the emotional crap i At just want to have good. it yeah have <laughs> have a point and i know that she quote had a point unquote 
but it, it just wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough to keep my interest. I just got tired. I'm like, I, by the end of Divergent, I want them to be a solid team and to have their problems be external, not internal, you mm-hmm. know? And so, yeah, I just feel like the romance arc, it, it was, it was non-existent almost. I don't know. I feel like she put everything into the first book and then was scrambling for books two and three, She's which like, is crap. I'm famous. <laughs> yeah. Which is evidence of uh, immature writer, you know, I mean, which sucks because it's not good to go big on your first book because then you have like a three, the three star average on the third book in the series, which is supposed to be the most important one in the series. Yeah. Which is what happened in this book, this series. Right. <laughs> and then they, they tried to do in the last movie, do the thing we all hate or they split the last book into two movies which yeah which, please stop it yeah because it makes it bloated even though we did enjoy the third movie more than the second movie yeah well um, it was i don't know it was so dis. i had my i have my complaints about it i'll talk about that in my takeaway it's disjointed it didn't flow mm-hmm. uh, one of my points is trajectory but yeah um and since we're discussing a series and not a book you have to look at the big picture and yeah that from first book to the second this is a three-act structure basically you know right within each movie is a three act three acts and then the whole series is a three, three act. act exactly yeah. and um and is there it is not is there a series where we're actually okay with them breaking Star up the, Wars. the third oh, the last movie breaking up the last book a book series where they took it to movie and broke up the last book no <laughs> I'm gonna get close to the mic. No. Um, um, Harry Did they Potter, do that with no. the Maze Runner? No. No. Harry Potter was the worst. I would have to say. Well, Twilight. Harry Potter. That seven point one versus the last one. They. It should have been one movie. That second to last movie was so boring. They took the most pointless parts of the movie or the book and then expanded it into a movie where they're lost in the woods. Yep. There is some. It's imp- called capitalism. They want to, you know, <laughs> capitalize. Capitalizing. On, yes. Um, but yeah, um, not good. Stop mm-hmm. making bloated movies. Yeah. Just stop it. I mean, if there's not enough material to make two. Yeah. And Harry Potter had seven freaking books. They didn't need to have eight movies. Uh, The Hobbit. Ugh. Well, we're not going to talk about that. They made one we're children's book into it. three movies. <laughs> we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> um, okay. So the third movie did hold our interest better than the second one. And it's because the second one was kind of all over the place. It was hard to follow the plot and we didn't really care what was happening. You know, at least in the first one, everybody becomes zombies, you know, and that was interesting watching them, her try to stop them from killing people. Yeah. That was, that was, that had quite held my interest, you know? Yeah. I mean, there was such a stylistic shift. I don't know if the director was different or what. I, I don't know, actually. But like the characters looked different. Like mm-hmm. the main bad guy that they kill. Eric. Eric looked way different. Like, mm-hmm. it's like next week and his hair is like totally different. Yeah, exactly. He's wearing different clothes and everything. I mean, the main characters look the same. What was our main complaint about the actress who played Triss? She didn't work out at all. Yeah. Like, the guys, they beefed up. And Triss, she's da- she's dauntless, which means she is physically active. And from the first movie to the last one, she's the same. She looks soft. And, and like somebody you would cuddle rather than give a gun to, you know? She looks like she did in Fault on Our Stars where she's a cancer patient. A cancer patient, patient yeah. <laughs> That's so, so mean, but it's friggin' true. Workout. Yeah, like I'm like, I, th- I think that the actress wasn't right for the part of Triss, which again, authors have no control over that. You know, just pray that the people who pick your characters actually pick good it, ones. It's, yeah, it's really tough because like you have to learn a whole, as a, I'm going to be nice to her. 
if you've never fought in your life, you're supposed to look like you're competent fighting. Yeah, that's that's like well, the guys or running you or know, anything, but. Kato worked out for four hours a day for six months leading up to. And that makes it awesome because he's hardly in that movie, but when he is, he owns. Yeah, that's Kato from Hunger Games for those. But so I'm like, I feel like she, she, and Jennifer Lawrence even didn't look soft around the edges, you know? I just, I feel like it was a bad choice because some people cannot. What, no matter what they do, their their body types just won't look like a Kato after, you know? I don't so, know what training she did, but they didn't sell that she's a fighty person at all. Neither did they sell Edward, you know? True. So True. I'm just like, that's something authors have no control over, but it was just something that really bothered us. So if you're ever becoming an actress or an actor in Hollywood and you get an action part, <laughs> work out first. <laughs> yeah, work out till you're almost dead. Just try and kill yourself working out. I'm trying to think Just of how it. we can apply this to writers. Um, <laughs> to writing, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, um, like know about some action-y stuff. Yeah, learn, I mean, study like, fighting, you study have martial to, arts. A so little bit, maybe it. even freaking take some classes or at least observe yeah. them. I mean, yeah. talk to the teacher yeah. about some principles about it. Watch yeah. some action movies. I mean, do yeah. your research. This is the same. as It could be anything, not just action. Yeah, and a piece of advice I gave earlier was when you're writing action, don't describe every single block and every single blow, but you need to know how they're doing principles. it so your fight can still yeah, you, I be mean, cohesive. As a writer, you can write about all different locations and places and skills that you're not going to know in depth you don't have time and people don't need to know no i mean the only people that are really gonna hate it are people that do it professionally yeah but it's like a backstory most readers will never get the full backstory of a series of a story it's like but it needs to be there me watching house Oh, I yes. still enjoy the doctors, show. Doctors don't do their own testing. Yeah, they're like in the lab, like doing pipettes. I would smack them and throw them out. <laughs> You're like, get out of my lab. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like had to like, don't just go. Like, they're like, no, I want to see. No, you have to leave now. You're not. You're not. Like, they're literally not, not cleared. They're not cleared to do stuff. Like, they yeah. can't even send results to themselves. I do it. Like, yeah. you go away. I'm going to send results. <laughs> you know, like, you, they can't hit the button that sends Anyway, them. so the point is do your research and yeah, I it mean, shows you, when you do. Yeah, you might, like, maybe really hardcore people that do that thing, you know, like scuba diver or whatever would be like, that's wrong. But you should at least be able to surface. Yeah. Um, so not the, make big blunders. the average person won't see it right, as. Because yeah. when average people are like, that's not right that's stupid and then you break the fourth wall and then you're out of the story and then people realize all your other flaws i mean you know Mm -hmm. because things can be flawed and Mm -hmm. but if it's entertaining enough it doesn't matter it doesn't matter too much but i'm going to talk about that a little bit But there is a line you cross yeah let's go into i don't have trivia i just realized holy cow we did give him some trivia anyway did we about like hunger games (laughs) no like when the movie was so that's true we did give a little trivia so we didn't talk about this tris dies well, we're gonna. I'm talking oh. about that as part of my give takeaway. <laughs> That's why we didn't okay. talk about it too much. Tris does die in the movie in the books, though. Mm-hmm. And me, people hated that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. That's yeah. We'll talk about that as part of my takeaway. But I want you to go ahead and give your takeaways. Okay. I feel bad that I don't have trivia, but you know it's three movies, yeah. so there's a lot. Um, trajectory. Mm-hmm. This is a lot like pacing, but I'm gonna zoom out mm-hmm. because this is covering. An entire series and not just a book. Yeah. Think about where your whole series is going. Mm-hmm. Just give a cursory thought to it. Yeah. You don't have to nail it down too much. I actually think if you nail it down too much, it can be a problem. Harry mm-hmm. Potter. Yes. Where she wrote the chapter like years in advance and then her story kind of went. The chapter? Yeah. It went a what little. chapter? The last one. Oh, the last chapter. Of the she last wrote the book. ending yeah. like way in advance. And then her characters, I think, grew beyond that ending. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it didn't feel 
as genuine. Yeah. Um, it was a plausible ending. Yeah. But it was unsatisfying to me. Yeah. Um, it was unsatisfying to a lot of people, I think. Um, and I think that but the would, movie understood that they beefed up the ending quite a bit. They did. The they handled it much better in the movie because yeah. they realized that. Yeah. That was excellent. Yeah. Um, but I mean, she could have revisited it and then mm-hmm. made it better. Or her editor could have made her, but by that point, she was probably too powerful. Unfortunately, authors can grow beyond their editors um, and can cause problems. Well, maybe the editor didn't even say anything because... Exactly. I mean, they'll say things, you know, that are safe, but they won't really be like, you know what? You need to cut 100 pages of bloat out of this thing. Yeah. Like, this arc is not good. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, not every single book in my series is longer than the one before it, and my readers don't care because I deliver stories that aren't full of fluff, you know? Yeah, I feel like there's an artificial expectation that every book has to be longer than the last one. Mm Mm-hmm. Free yourself of that. You don't need to do... I mean, if it's like yeah. 100,000 pages or 100,000 words difference, then yes, you need to change it. They can't it, be but... too different. Like, if they're on the bookshelf, they can't be like half the size, you know? But yeah. if it's not like bigger, yeah. but it's like 90%, yeah. do it. Yeah, exactly. If it's a solid story, if you're like, I have to add 10% to make it bigger, but I don't know what it is, then don't do it. Yeah, If exactly. you know what it could be, yeah, then maybe do it. Yep. But yeah, if you don't know what it is, don't go back and just add it. I mean, maybe you want to. I mean, really think about it when you beef it up. Yep. That it is important and that you're, you pick out, you're like, oh yeah, I left this hole in the story that could have something that was very satisfying. Yeah. Well, like for the second, I think it was the second Coven Chronicles book, it was way, it was like 40,000 words and the first one was 52. And when they're that short, I wanted to make it a little bit longer. Yeah. That's so right. I added a bathroom fight scene where she's going to the bathroom and she gets attacked. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. It was a lot of fun to write. You know, these hounds are coming. They're, they're hounds of Tindalus. And, and you're, but, but you, but you notice the beat you're doing, you're doing you're editing you're like you know what an action scene could fit here yeah, exactly and it would be really good and it yeah. wouldn't it's not blow it's been a while since we've had some action exactly so if you've got too much action then you know fix the pace if you need to add more more story yeah you'd be like we haven't had a romance you know and if you see that you can add it and that'll mm-hmm. beef up your story but it yep. made it stronger by adding something not just longer by adding something exactly okay trajectory yeah uh have a good plan yeah um this author maybe had a plan maybe didn't it was not a good plan people hated it mm-hmm. the plan was executed and people didn't like it yeah so yep um so like we were saying um the last book came out after they had bought the franchise and then they're like oh crap yes, nobody wants to see do? this movie now yeah nobody's so gonna want to changed finish. it so much from like some people are saying it wasn't even the same at all right because they had to because it was because the series was garbage yeah i mean mm-hmm. just straight up nobody liked it the first book it. wasn't but you know yeah by the end it was and they were already financially committed yeah and i think that what happened was people said that the first two books were amazing i think that the movie makers were like trying to make the they were trying to fix the last book movie and so they changed the second one enough for it not to fit the second book and so people didn't it wasn't as satisfying as the second book yeah so because they're trying to fix they're trying to do damage control by that point right because everybody knew because the book was out everybody knew nobody liked it and they're like oh geez yeah we've got to do something about this uh stick the landing yeah um this is true in gymnastics and is true in books. <laughs> writing the last thing people see in a gymnastics routine is the landing they do yeah. their flips and then boom you they stick it. it if you st- everything's perfect and you screw up the ending that's the last thing people remember yeah it's i don't know if this is true or not but it probably affects your score the most i don't know no the jumps do like the spins the but jumps, it's the last but thing the audience will the, remember. no they do have a huge amount like i mean i've seen a full point get taken off if somebody like their foot bounces you know right it's in gymnastics it's, yeah it, 
stick the landing. It's very there's, important. There's many different ways to say this. Leave them wanting more. Yeah. I'm actually um, thinking of, sorry, it's the jumps inside of ice skating is more important. But in I gymnastics, see. the landing is probably just as, if not more important. I mean, for something that's such a fraction of a second of time, yeah, it's worth a lot. Yeah, And that's the same with this. Your ending is the smallest part of a book. It can be just a few pages. Yeah, Not even a chapter. It's not chapters worth. Yeah. But if it doesn't resonate with your audience, yeah. they're not going to read Divergent, whatever and, her next series is. No yeah. one cares. No. Yeah, exactly. And and another thing to go along with that, this the length of your climax depends on how many books are in the series. So if you've got like a two book series, the climax of the series doesn't have to be as long as a 10 book series, you know, you because readers read like we've made this point before they read for the climax, you know, the resolution, that's what they're reading for. And so if you don't stick it, then the game over can be disappointing a lot of readers. Yeah. There you go. Those are my three. They're okay. kind. They're very related. Which is funny because I came up with three as well. We were supposed to only do two, but uh, yeah. okay. So my main, my first one is don't kill off your main character, and if you do, make it fit. Um, and then if you get, do, expect negative reviews. And I'm going to say this right now: the top Allegiant reviews are very negative. Like the first several pages are one stars through three star reviews, and all of them mention Triss's death. But a lot of them are like. I could have been okay with Tris dying. I could have, if all of these other things weren't problems, you know, they're like, there's so many problems in the third book. I could, I would, Tris dying sucked, but I would have been okay. Here's the thing. If Tris hadn't died, people probably would have been more willing to review the book higher. They, people are more willing. If you give them an ending that is satisfying emotionally for the genre, then people are more willing to overlook other weaknesses. But Tris dying is like a slap in the face of an already bad book, you know? And so... Imagine if Bella had died, you know, the last book was horrible, but people accepted it better than they accepted the last book in this series because it was more emotionally satisfying, you know? And so I'm like, what genres, tragedies, you know, horrors, the main character dies in them sometimes, you know, I mean, it's not that genre. This is not that genre. So like, di like dystopian, the main characters almost always live in a dystopian, in a dystopian. They, they end up living a good life despite the literal the through. literal world system being against them yep exactly like that's true uh, i'm hunger games yeah she lives a nice life with Peta. <laughs> kind right? of nice life it is nice i mean it in is. the movie it, they're she, just like in the field through. she well in the book she's she's like so her brain's messed up from everything yeah, but she doesn't have to do anything anymore no, i mean yeah. she really made it i mean she's she's not she's scarred yeah she went through stuff it doesn't negate what happened to her yeah exactly but i but mean she's, she's with Peta, and, and so. they have like a kid and they're just like yeah. sitting in a field like having a picnic or whatever yeah. i mean it, and she in that moment you can see that she's happy yeah you know what i mean yeah and reviewers did say it doesn't need to be like that but the thing is they want it needs to be emotionally satisfying and and one thing people are rooting for your two main characters and if one of them dies then it's it's like West Side Story, which is a tragedy, or Romeo and Juliet, where they both die. And you're not writing that genre unless you set out, you know? It's like, breaking the promise. Yeah, it is. Um, that's 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 pretty much what I'm trying to say. I mean, a genre is partially a promise. I mean, obviously, it's a sci-fi book. There should yeah. be sci-fi stuff in it, fantasy, mm -hmm. fantasy stuff in it. I mean... Yeah. I had a friend who went through a phase where she read tragedies where... The main it's like a romance, but the girl gets kidney failure and dies at the end. And she read like thirty to forty books like that. And it was just it's it was a genre that was popular but well, not fault popular. Fault in our stars. Yeah, exactly. But and so like that's okay. You you know it's reader expectation. They know what's going to take place. You know, and so these. So I'm my point is, if you're going to kill off your main character, just recognize it. It probably will ruin your last book. 
unless you're writing in a genre. And this is going to make people mad at me. You're absolutely right. No, if it's not an expectation of the genre. Yeah. Foreshadowing is a big thing. I mean, breaking genre rules or Mm -hmm. expectations can work. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's really hard. I mean, okay, so the Lord of the Rings, the second movie, um, Frodo dies. And that, the second book, he dies. And that is Frodo where dies? they, yes, that's where they, the Frodo Shelob. Dies. Oh, yeah. That's, that's where they leave about. the book at. That is, it ends on a cliffhanger. You, it's the movie. The movie actually resolves that in a different way. But in the book, he actually dies. And so, like, people, people, but in the end, we know he doesn't die, you know? But, like... They don't know that. They don't know that. But the thing is, like, you you can't just leave it at that point unless that's not what you're writing, you know? Uh, what's another one? Harry Potter. You know, I actually liked the way she did that, where he had to die in order for Voldemort to die, you know? But it was the part of the Horcrux in him that died, not it's him. not just him, but Snape. Yeah. He was a big character, and he... Yeah, but his... he's not... But that's fine. He's I'm not okay the main character, yeah. but yeah, but I mean... Harry Potter, Ron, and Hermione. Those are the ones that she killed kill them. She did kill off a secondary, very... I mean, the people twin. liked Snape a lot. Oh, I love Snape. And she freaking killed him. Yeah, he was pretty amazing. But the thing is, but it was, and she killed one of the twins, which really bothered me. But the yeah, thing well, is... Yeah, well, I think that was a... Like, here's my... That was no. an emotional... What? <laughs> I hate that point. No, no, here's twins. my point. No, she could kill one because they were twins. Yeah, I don't agree with that. <laughs> I agree with it entirely. She had a Chris, spare. Chris, it's your opinion. <laughs> it's, a, it's a valid opinion. It's what they do all the time. Yeah. They're like, oh, they're, like you kill one of the twins, so you still have a character that people like around, but one well, of them had to die. So see, that's not the thing, though. I mean, you have twins; they they are a character the, together, one character, and you kill off one of them, it destroys the character. Yeah. So she could have just killed off the twins, but together. she didn't kill Mister Weasley like she was supposed to. Yeah. So anyway. she killed off one of the twins instead, in my opinion, because Weasley had to die. There's too many of them there <laughs> not to have one of them yeah. be a casualty. So you pick a twin. Okay. So, so okay. So like I was going to say, people it, it expect certain things with certain genres. And if you're going to try to break those rules, then recognize what you might happen. You better be on point. Yeah. You would better make it satisfying. Yeah. Okay. So if you do expect negative reviews and if you do make it fit, a lot of the people said that Triss's death was meaningless and that it could have been easily subverted. It could have been easily sidestepped. She didn't have to die. So you, if you want to have your main character die, you need to make sure it is a solid, solid, solid reason. Remember this book is about that person. So their death has to matter. If they're just some rando who gets killed... Um, yeah, <laughs> on the which side is of the, the way road, Chris gets killed. Then I mean, that's not a pointless. story people will want to read, and then the, that's not you know nobody writes a story about that character. Yeah, they just they're just one of those random uh, or dauntless that get killed along the way. Yeah, exactly. That's all her character really ends up being because it's yeah. like congratulations, you're a normal person, and then you die in a meaningless way. Yeah. Okay, so my next point is actually pretty much the same as what Nolan was saying. Know where you're going, even even if you pants, make sure the ending matches the beginning. And we don't need to say more about that because we've pretty much. Okay, then my my last point is stop with the pointless crap. <laughs> the council. Pointless. It's pointless. She goes off. She's off in the outside of Chicagoland. She goes to see a council. They could have cut that entire scene from the movie and it wouldn't have changed the story at all. You know? And so I'm like, the whole story was about a Chicago. Now, here's a little... It's going further with this this thing. If you wanted to keep them in Chicago the whole time, then why put them outside of Chicago. She, They go outside of Chicago to learn a little bit more, but nothing happens. They go back to Chicago. So I'm like, what was the point of that? They learned a little bit more, and now they're like, oh, I'm just going to well, go back to my city. Re- if they were going to return and then help everyone. 
But yeah, I don't feel like that was their objective. No, it, it wasn't really wasn't. It felt like they were hiding from the outside world. They're like, well, I like my inside Chicago better. It just didn't feel it wasn't satisfying to me. Yeah, it's not like they go out, gain some knowledge and come back and fix the city and then everyone lives happily ever. Like they yeah. fix the faction system or yeah. something like that and fulfill some sort of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Nothing of course we don't have the whole story, so who knows? But I'm just gonna say I'm I felt like if you're getting bored with other plot points, cut them, you know, or make them make, have them, have them have an actual reason. So like her going to the council should have had like, a, you know, uh, what's the word? Point. <laughs> yeah, point. But it should have had. Impact. It should have it been have impact. The story. It should have been, yes. Given them something that she didn't have otherwise, you know. Oh, he I mean, gave us more information on was his name David or whatever. Yeah, you get a little wasn't... snippet of like the bigger world that that he's just like some like project no one really cares about. Yeah, and like he has to. It's basically a budget meeting, uh-huh. and so it's like the worst. Interest most ruins it for him. If you've ever been in a budget meeting where you're like you go to Capital and you're like I need a piece of equipment and they're like Can you pay it off in seven years? And you're like Yeah, here's a chart. Yeah. it was like that. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> was, so pointless. It was. It could have been. She could have just pa- done it in passing. So like I went to a meeting, you know, and then. It was boring. Like, I can't believe we didn't, you know, nothing happened. It was so pointless. You know, yeah. they could have just come out of the meeting saying that and yeah. just skipped it entirely. I mean, they introduced us to new characters and gave them names and everything. And but then don't use them. Done. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my next point. Like, don't introduce characters who have no point. And if you do, like, so that whole council could have been one person, you know? Yeah. Or Condense they could have just met characters. a representative from the council. Yeah. Or... A representative could actually come to them. You know, mm-hmm. instead of them going to a whole different city yeah, to meet I mean, five or six more people. Movies have to be more efficient than books. So conflating characters is definitely a thing that happens all the time. Yeah. Where they take multiple characters and boil them down to like one person. Mm-hmm. They could have taken that opportunity and done this. I mean, you do have more leeway in a book because mm-hmm. you have more time, but don't yeah. abuse it. Don't abuse it. Definitely not. Everything, every scene in every in your book, every single scene needs to push the story forward in two different ways. And that council meeting pushed the story forward in half a way. You know, it didn't, it wasn't even a full because we didn't really care, you know? Yeah, you learn that David's not the top of the food chain. He is in his little world, but then there's a bigger world and he's a small fish in it. Yeah. He's big for that, you know, but anyway, pointless. Yeah, agreed. Pointless. Anyway, it was my point. Pointless. (laughs) But I mean, the the point of your point was that don't do pointless things. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't do, uh, yeah, uh, debates <laughs> that aren't interesting or oh, or budget defense meetings. Yep. No one likes them in real life either. Yeah. Just saying. Exactly. So uh, our, our biggest takeaway from this is, like we said, make the ending match the beginning and have things happen for a reason. You know, make each scene push the story forward in more than one way. And if people die, make it meaningful and don't kill off your main characters unless you really hate your readers or yeah i mean <laughs> make your characters make people love your characters or like your characters that's actually one thing about the twins kill them <laughs> in harry potter people like people them. they meant something and having mm-hmm. them die their death it, i mean his death was meaningful and snape's especially because after you exactly. get that backstory you know you yeah. understand what he did for harry so his death is a, gives you a reason to mourn it, you know yeah his, his, he has the most meaningful Dead. It really fulfills his purpose in yeah. dying, yep. and then him sharing. You know, he, his... he was the most important character in the whole series, in my opinion. You yeah, know? he's the one that made things move more than anyone. Yeah, except for maybe Dumbledore. I kind of but... kind of just love Snape. I think I like the movie rendition of him more because of the actor. Hmm. I hated him so much in the books. <laughs> anyway, okay, so that's pretty much it for this episode for Divergent, the Divergent trilogy. 
And if you hate us now because you loved them so much. Too bad your opinion. Or if you're, no. Or if you're so confused because you haven't read them or seen the movies, then I I Uh, apologize. You can buy buy the trilogy for cheap because we did for like. Yeah, we bought the whole trilogy for like $5 on DVD, right? Because it did so bad, no one cares. So you can easily see this for pennies or Mm -hmm. dollars per movie. Yeah. Um, And then. Watch it just for the last, the last, so you can go see what the scenery outside of Chicago that was so amazing and impressive. You know, it was pretty cool. Yeah, there's a lot of design problems throughout the movie. The That environment was not one of them. Yeah. Um, their guns look ridiculous, except for the rhinos. Which, which was actually, an actual gun. Which is an actual real-life gun. They just used props of copying. But yeah, any, people are like, that's not a real, that's a stupid-looking gun. It was like, it's an actual gun. It's for reals. Um, but yeah, the, the scenery was good. Yeah. The, I mean, there's that mystery of the environment, right? Because mm-hmm. they're in the city and they wonder what's beyond. Mm-hmm. They made a big deal out of it and they actually made it satisfying. So when yeah. you go out there, it's actually epic. Yeah. Okay. So any last, where can people find you? Any of that kind of stuff? We're going to be starting school visits at the local elementary school uh, next week, actually. We're going to be working on those projects. The kids want Nolan to do a sculpture and we still have to pick the topic of the book, which means we have to pick the top- topic of the sculpture still. So we'll be doing that next week with the kids. Okay, so if, yeah, like I said, if you have any questions, send me an email or catch me on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook very often. Um, I try to get on there about once a day, but that doesn't always work out for me. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Anything else? That's it. Okay. All right, we'll talk to everybody later. Bye. Bye. Bye.